Welcome, dear listeners, to another edition of Car Time Stories, where we weave tales of suspense, intrigue, and the power of the written word. Tonight, we embark on a journey into the enigmatic world of literature, where secrets lurk between the lines and the boundaries between fiction and reality blur. The mystery of the hidden words is a tale of intrigue, deception, and deciphering the cryptic clues left by the murderer. The Mystery of Hidden Words by Chester Lynn The room lay in shadow, save for the dim light of a single flickering candle on the writer's desk. The man who sat there, his brow furrowed in concentration, was none other than the rising literary star, Sebastian Hastings. With a quill in his hand, he scribbled furiously upon the parchment, weaving words into tales that would capture readers' hearts far and wide. The hour was late, but Sebastian had never been one for slumber when his imagination was ablaze. He had been under the tutelage of the esteemed novelist Reginald Sinclair, whose novels of mystery and intrigue had entranced the literary world for decades. Sinclair had taken the young Sebastian under his wing, guiding him through the treacherous labyrinth of words and plots. The bond between mentor and protégé had grown strong, and the older writer had shared secrets of his craft that were hidden from the world. Sebastian, Sinclair once said, leaning back in his leather armchair, writing is a pursuit of the heart and soul. Let your words flow like a river, but remember, a good story is like a well-crafted mystery. The clues must be hidden in plain sight, and the ending a revelation that leaves your readers breathless. Sinclair's books were filled with characters so vivid, plots so intricate, and twists so cunning that readers were left in awe. But beneath the facade of a master storyteller, Sinclair held his own secrets, secrets that Sebastian, upon his mentor's untimely demise, had found himself burdened with. It was a cold winter night when Sebastian received the dreadful news. Detective Inspector Lestrade, a close friend of the late Sinclair, had sought him out. Lestrade, a stout, grizzled man with sharp eyes that seemed to miss nothing, delivered the news with a somber tone. Sinclair had been found dead in his study, a pool of ink staining the floor beneath his lifeless form. The police, who had examined every nook and cranny of Sinclair's home, had found no clues, no potential suspects, no signs of a struggle or foul play. But it can't be, Sebastian whispered, his voice choked with grief. Sinclair was in the prime of his life. He was working on his next masterpiece. Who would want to harm him? Lestrade shook his head. That is precisely what we hope to find out, young Hastings. The case is a perplexing one, to say the least. It is as if the room was locked from the inside, and the key vanished into thin air. Sebastian could not bear the thought of his mentor's death going unsolved. He felt an obligation to honour the man who had shaped his destiny. And so, Sebastian made a decision that would change the course of his life. He would delve into the mystery of Reginald Sinclair's death and bring the culprit to justice. His first stop was Sinclair's study, the scene of the crime. The room was a treasure trove of literary wonders, filled with old leather-bound books, ink-stained manuscripts, 
and curios from the far corners of the world. Sebastian examined the scene meticulously, searching for any clue that might have eluded the police, but the room revealed nothing new. With a heavy heart he focused on the last pages of Sinclair's unfinished manuscript. There he found something that sent shivers down his spine. The final sentence of the novel read, The murderer concealed in plain sight, hidden within the words, just as I have shown. What could Sinclair have meant? Sebastian pondered this enigmatic message, realizing that his mentor had left behind a trail of breadcrumbs, a cryptic puzzle to be unraveled. He knew that he must turn to the source of Sinclair's inspiration, the other writers, who either envied his success or worshipped him as a literary idol. Sebastian's first suspect was Simon Foster, a reclusive author known for his obsession with Sinclair's work. Foster had sent fan letters to Sinclair for years, praising his genius. The police had questioned him, but Foster denied any involvement in Sinclair's death. Sebastian decided to pay him a visit. Foster lived in a dimly lit house at the city's edge, surrounded by shelves of Sinclair's novels. When Sebastian arrived, the writer was hunched over a desk, scribbling away. He glanced up, his eyes filled with reverence as he recognized Sebastian. Sebastian Hastings, Foster said, his voice trembling with excitement. A prodigious talent, just like our beloved Reginald. What brings you to my humble abode? Sebastian asked about Sinclair's death, and Foster's eyes filled with sorrow. It is a tragedy, he said, a loss to the world of literature. I loved his work, Mr. Hastings, but I would never harm him. His books were my sanctuary. Sebastian left Foster's home, his suspicions only deepening. The man's reverence for Sinclair was genuine, but the cryptic message in the unfinished manuscript nagged at him. There was another writer, a darker soul, who may have been spurned by Sinclair's fame and who had turned that bitterness into a sinister plot. The next writer on Sebastian's list was Victoria Ashford, a brilliant wordsmith who had once been close to Sinclair but had a falling out with him. They had been collaborators once, co-writing a series of detective novels that had made them both famous, but a dispute over creative differences had driven them apart. Sebastian met Victoria in a dimly lit café where she sipped her tea with a cold, distant air. Her eyes held a glint of sorrow as he mentioned Sinclair's death. Reginald and I were once inseparable in our literary pursuits, Victoria confessed, but we parted ways bitterly. His obsession with control stifled my creativity. I loved him, and I hated him for it. Sebastian could see the pain in her eyes, but he saw no signs of guilt. He left her with a heavy heart, convinced that she was not the murderer. As days turned into weeks, Sebastian's search for the truth continued. He visited other writers who had crossed paths with Sinclair, each a potential suspect. The journey led him deeper into the labyrinth of the literary world, where egos clashed, ambitions burned, and secrets hid in the shadows. Finally, the pieces of the puzzle fell into place. Sebastian discovered that a writer named Edgar Morrow, whose work had been overlooked in favour of Sinclair's, had harboured a deep-seated resentment. 
Morrow had written a novel, an eerie tale of deception and murder, eerily similar to the circumstances surrounding Sinclair's death. The puzzle pieces were coming together, and Sebastian knew he had to confront Morrow. Sebastian Hastings had tracked Edgar Morrow to a nondescript, shabby apartment tucked away in a quiet corner of the city. When he entered the cramped, dimly lit living space, he found Morrow hunched over a cluttered desk. Manuscripts and scribbled notes lay strewn about, evidence of Morrow's obsession with writing. The air was thick with the scent of ink and paper, a testament to the solitary life the writer led. Morrow's eyes widened in surprise as Sebastian walked in, interrupting his solitary reverie. He had not expected a visitor at this late hour, and certainly not one who would challenge him with such grave accusations. He quickly attempted to gather his composure, but the sweat forming on his brow betrayed his nervousness. Without wasting a moment, Sebastian confronted him with the evidence. He held up the unfinished manuscript from Sinclair's study, the pages that held the cryptic message. You wrote this, Sebastian declared, his voice unwavering. It's a message only you could have penned. Morrow's gaze flickered between the manuscript and Sebastian, his face contorting as he grappled with the realization that he had been exposed. The evidence was irrefutable. The handwriting was a perfect match, and the message pointed directly to him as the mastermind behind the elaborate murder. It was a tense moment as Morrow's silence spoke volumes, and the weight of his guilt settled upon him. The realization that his plot had unraveled at the hands of his own creation, the art of storytelling, was a bitter irony that left a taste of defeat in the air. With a heavy sigh, Morrow finally admitted to his crime, revealing the meticulous planning and the sinister motivation that had driven him to commit the murder. Sebastian's relentless pursuit of the truth had brought an end to the perfect crime, unmasking the writer's dark ambition and the terrifying power of words. Sebastian summoned Lestrade, leading to Morrow's arrest. As he was apprehended, Morrow's eyes revealed a peculiar blend of remorse and satisfaction. In a darkly ironic turn, he had garnered a perverted form of notoriety through the very deed that claimed Sinclair's life. The world observed in a mix of astonishment and disbelief as the trial of Edgar Morrow unfurled, a legal spectacle rivaling the most gripping plots penned by Sinclair himself. As the case was dissected in the courtroom, it became clear that Morrow had meticulously planned the murder, using Sinclair's own works as a blueprint. He had studied Sinclair's writing style, psychological profiles, and modus operandi to create a murder that would baffle the most astute investigators. The cryptic message within the unfinished manuscript served as the ultimate flourish, a subtle taunt aimed at Sebastian, who had assumed the coveted role of Sinclair's protégé, a position Morrow had once yearned to attain. Morrow's motive had been to take Sinclair's place in the literary world, to have his name immortalized as the cunning writer who had outwitted even the greatest of detectives. But instead, he found himself behind bars, a prisoner of his own ambition. 
Sebastian, though relieved that justice had been served, couldn't help but feel a deep sadness for Morrow. He had been a writer consumed by jealousy and bitterness, driven to commit a heinous act in the name of literary recognition. It was a chilling reminder of the power of words and the lengths to which some would go for fame and glory. The trial's conclusion marked the end of a dark chapter in the world of literature. Reginald Sinclair's memory was honoured, and his legacy lived on in the hearts of those who had admired him. Sebastian continued to write, using the lessons he had learned from his mentor, and his own star continued to rise. In the years that followed, Sebastian penned a novel inspired by the events that had transpired, a tale of murder, ambition, and the dangerous dance between mentor and protégé. The book became a bestseller, capturing the essence of the enigmatic Sinclair, whose influence had extended beyond his death. It was a fitting tribute to the man who had shown Sebastian the way, and a reminder that the world of literature could be as treacherous and thrilling as any of its stories. And so, the mystery of Reginald Sinclair's death became a chapter in the annals of literary history, a story of intrigue and betrayal, of a young writer forced to step into the role of detective to uncover the truth, where the line between reality and fiction blurred, and where words had the power to both create and destroy. For our second story, we delve deep within the emerald depths of Ireland's forest, where hidden from the eyes of humans resides a captivating world of pixies and brownies. These enchanting creatures, once locked in a bitter rivalry, find themselves on the brink of a harmonious alliance when their shared haven is threatened by the intrusion of those same ghastly humans. Nestled within the heart of Ireland's primordial woodland, Killarney, an ancient sanctuary dating back millennia, thrived a resplendent sisterhood of ethereal pixies. Delicate wings adorned their lithe forms, transforming them into celestial beings. Amidst the hallowed grove, these otherworldly creatures found solace and kinship amidst an enchanting tapestry of age-old trees and bewitching creatures. Majestic deer roamed gracefully, their noble antlers reaching towards the heavens, while sly foxes weaved through the dappled undergrowth, their eyes gleaming with a mischievous spark. In the secret corners of this ethereal realm, badgers busily burrowed, their black and white faces peeking out with curious charm. Harmonious melodies filled the air as birds painted the sky with vibrant hues, joining the mystical chorus that danced upon the breeze. Within this enchanted haven, time held no dominion. The pixies, adorned in luminous gowns woven from moonbeams and starlight, reveled in a perpetual symphony of nature's wonders. They flitted from blossom to blossom, their delicate touch breathing life into the petals. With ethereal grace, they whispered secrets to the ancient trees, their voices mingling with the rustling leaves, carrying tales of forgotten lore. Under the protective embrace of the forest's age-old wisdom, these winged beings thrived in a delicate balance, guardians of a realm untouched by time's ravages. Legends whispered that those fortunate enough to glimpse their radiant beauty were forever touched by an unquenchable longing for the mystical, forever yearning to return to the embrace of Killarney's enchanted heart.
The female pixies, led by their queen, Lady Lula, invited the male brownies, led by their notorious chief, Bucky, to a picnic under the guise of settling their ancient differences. You see, the pixies and brownies had been feuding for centuries, with each blaming the other for their misfortunes. But Lady Lula had a devious plan in mind, and she was determined to seek revenge on the brownies once and for all. When the male brownies arrived at the picnic spot, the female pixies greeted them with false smiles and acted subservient to their guests. They served them delicious treats and poured them some nectar from the sweetest flowers. Little did the brownies know that the pixies had spiked their drinks with a secret potion that would make them fall into a deep slumber. Lady Luna had hoped that once the brownies were fast asleep, the pixies would be able to carry out their plan to play an epic prank on them and finally settle their differences. However, before Lady Luna could put her plan into action, an unexpected turn of events occurred. Humans who were exploring the hills stumbled upon the picnic spot. The pixies and brownies were caught off guard and quickly realized that they had a mutual enemy, the humans. With their loud voices and trampling feet, these humans not only invaded their enchanted forest and interrupted their picnic, but now tried to make the pixies' picnic spot their own, unfurling a large red checkered blanket over theirs and spreading out food and drinks. Lady Luna and Bucky, their long-held grudges cast aside like shadows in the fading light, surged into action, their faces gleaming with mischief. In a harmonious symphony of chaos, they orchestrated their troops with precision and zeal. The pixies, their ethereal wings a blur of motion, darted and danced around the bewildered humans. With mischievous delight, they tipped their caps, tugged at their hair, and whispered in their ears, weaving a web of playful vexation. Meanwhile, the brownies, shrewd and cunning, sowed havoc upon the forest floor. They shredded the human's picnic blanket with glee, clashed silverware together in a clamorous cacophony, and gleefully hurled morsels of food, transforming the tranquil setting into a stage of mayhem. Amidst the pandemonium, the humans stumbled and tripped, their attempts to ward off the persistent pixies proving futile as their shoes became entangled, thanks to the mischievous knots tied by the brownies, the air crackled with exhilaration as utter chaos reigned supreme. The humans, overwhelmed and disoriented, ran away aimlessly. Their screams and shrieks were music to the pixies' and brownies' ears. Lady Luna's and Bucky's eyes met across the battlefield, a shared understanding passing between them. Together, they had orchestrated a symphony of mischief, their individual strengths united and magnified by a shared purpose. As the humans fled, their anguished cries fading into the distance, a euphoric hush settled over the forest. Lady Luna and Bucky basked in the afterglow of their victory, their hearts brimming with the sweet nectar of camaraderie. The pixies and brownies, bound by a newfound appreciation for their shared purpose, reveled in the remnants of the chaos they had sown. Laughter rippled through the air, intermingling with the whispered secrets of the ancient trees, by the old oak tree, Lady Luna whispered, her voice carrying the weight of newfound understanding. We've witnessed a bond forged in the crucible of battle. Our differences fade like mist in the morning sun. Bucky, his gruff demeanor softened by the shared triumph, nodded in agreement. Aye, Lady Luna, 
These humans stirred a tempest within us, but we've weathered it side by side. A truce, I say, forevermore. The other pixies and brownies, emboldened by the unity displayed by their leaders, stepped forward, their voices merging in harmonious agreement. The once fraught atmosphere transformed into a sanctuary of laughter and camaraderie as they feasted upon the remnants of the picnic feast. Under the twilight's gentle caress, Lady Luna and Bucky raised their voices, their words resonating through the ancient forest, carrying the essence of their hard-earned wisdom. The gathered magical beings hushed, their attention fixed upon their leaders. Listen well, dear kin, Lady Luna proclaimed, her voice ethereal and resolute. Today we've witnessed the alchemy of friendship amidst chaos. Our differences, like the fleeting shadows, pale in the face of the bond we've woven— from this day forward, let us honour this alliance, celebrating our shared guardianship of our sacred abode. Bucky, a twinkle of mischief in his eyes, continued, his voice carrying the wisdom of ages. Remember, dear brethren, that we're bound not only by our love for this land, but by the strength we find in each other. The humans, mere whispers in the wind, shall not deter our purpose— we shall stand firm, united, and protect our haven against all who dare encroach upon it. The gathering erupted in applause and cheers, their jubilant voices intermingling with the symphony of nature's embrace. With their animosities buried beneath the earth, the pixies and brownies found solace and strength in their newfound kinship. As the night sky painted the forest canvas with a celestial tapestry, Lady Luna and Bucky, once adversaries, embraced as kindred spirits. They knew, deep within, that their tale would be forever etched alongside the legends of Ireland, a testament to the transformative power of unity and the unyielding bond that emerges from shared purpose. Their hearts brimmed with elation, knowing they had thwarted the looming threat that had cast a shadow upon their beloved home. In the wake of their triumph, a profound realization washed over the assembled pixies and brownies that their differences, once perceived as insurmountable chasms, now seemed trivial compared to the profound kinship they had discovered. Together, they had forged an unbreakable bond, united by a shared purpose. Year after year, as the seasons danced their timeless rhythms, the pixies and brownies reunited in a joyous celebration of their enduring friendship. The Pixie Picnic became an annual pilgrimage, an occasion to revel in their shared victory over the humans and the harmony that had blossomed in the aftermath. Laughter echoed through the forest as jokes were traded, tales spun, and pranks played with gleeful abandon. Each jest and jestee, regardless of pixie or brownie lineage, shared in the mirth, cherishing the camaraderie that had emerged from their once fraught past. The air crackled with mischievous energy, a testament to the levity that now coloured their interactions. It was a resounding reminder that the most steadfast rivals could discover common ground when their hearts beat to the same rhythm. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting its amber hues upon the gathering, the pixies and brownies savoured the shared feast and the warmth of their companionship. They revelled in the knowledge that, when united, they possessed the power to overcome any challenge that might arise. In whispered conversations beneath the starlit canopy, they pondered the possibilities that lay ahead.
With the humans still a lingering threat, the prospect of future collaborations fueled their imaginations. Perhaps they would join forces once more, their collective strength an unassailable fortress against those who dared disturb the tranquility of their cherished realm. And so the Pixie Picnic stood not only as a testament to their initial triumph, but as a sacred tradition, a reaffirmation of their shared resolve and unyielding friendship. In this timeless gathering, the legends of their unity were etched upon the hearts of all who attended, resonating through the ages. With every passing year, the Pixie Picnic became a luminous thread woven into the tapestry of their existence, reminding the world that even the deepest of rivalries could be quelled by the bonds of friendship. And as the cycles of nature persisted, the pixies and brownies would continue to gather, their spirits intertwining in laughter and shared purpose, forever guardians of their enchanted abode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Car Time Stories podcast. Before I let you go, I would like to implore you to rate our podcast and write a brief review. Your help would be greatly appreciated. And finally, please visit cartimestories.com to purchase our premium video content. Until next time, we thank you and hope that you tell your friends about the Car Time Stories podcast, where we strive to fuel young minds one story at a time.